So today's ad slot isn't sponsored. Instead, I want to tell you about a charity I work with who could really do with some extra help right now. I'd like you to contemplate for a moment about how you feel when you're really hungry, or if you have a child, how they behave when they're hungry. Terrible, right? Hunger affects everything. Behavior, mood, concentration, ability to learn. A hungry person, and especially a hungry child, isn't anywhere near their best self. Magic Breakfast provides free, nutritious breakfasts to over 1,000 primary, secondary, and ASL special educational needs schools across the UK. Every school day, they offer breakfasts to up to 200,000 children. But it's also not just about the food. I've visited their schools and their clubs also serve as a place for children to come together, get support from teachers, catch up on homework, relax with friends, even get their hair braided. How needed is this charity? Sadly, very, and more so than ever. According to government statistics before COVID, around 1.7 million children in the UK were living with food insecurity, meaning that they're at risk of hunger in the morning. That number is now looking closer to 4 million. And of course, with the cost of living crisis, it's just rising. I volunteer with Magic Breakfast. I'm on their development board and I know the money goes where it's needed to supporting children as well as lobbying for policy change to encourage the government to step in. Magic Breakfast actually always say that their ultimate aim is to make themselves obsolete, to end child hunger for good. If you have the ability to support a hungry child, please do check them out. It's magicbreakfast.com. Thank you. Everyone, as, as, as they get into the old age experiences some trauma in in one way or another the more experience you have the more likely some of it is to be traumatic i mean mine was quite unexpected and quite intense at quite a young age so it was different at that point to have gone through such challenges but as i've as i've got older i've watched people go through their own challenges of losing parents and partners and friends and yeah, I think it happens happens to sort of everyone the longer the longer you last. That's probably a good thing to to know, I guess, is that you're not alone in in experiencing trauma and that you can recover from it. It takes time. Um, it can affect you in in ways for the rest of your life, but you can come up with a good toolkit to manage those effects and not all of those effects have to be negative welcome to priorities the podcast about the things in life that really matter i'm your host journalist and coach lily silverton and each week along with a roster of incredible guests i'll be exploring how priorities inform and transform our lives sharing mindset tips strategies tools and inspiration to help you prioritize your own life We'll be covering what we think is important and unimportant, what we'd like to work on a little more, and the moments that changed our priorities and lives forever. I hope you enjoy. My guest today is Aaron Horn, a Grammy-nominated writer, producer, and sound therapist whose music has been listened to by billions of people across the world, including you just now, as he actually wrote the music for this podcast. Aside from that incredibly important piece of work. Aaron's worked with artists such as Seal, Doja Cat and Lily Allen and in 2012 
had a UK number one with his own band, Sam and the Womp. As a sound therapist, Aaron's curated event programmes and sound baths for places such as Soho House and the National Portrait Gallery, and he's worked with Nike and Rob Bank Sleep Retreat. Along with this more ambient music, Aaron also makes up one half of Crate Classics with Jamie Rodigan, which is essentially a lot of dancehall and jungle. So yeah, the breadth of his work is huge. And he's also experienced a lot in life. So there's some really valuable stuff in here for anyone who is themselves going through a lot right now. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Uh, This is uh, really exciting, obviously. I've known you for a very long time and you do the music already for this podcast. So you're, you're pretty in. Yeah. I was listening to your podcast recently and I was like, oh, that, that song is strangely familiar at the beginning. <laughs> and then I remembered <laughs> I put it together for you. So quite a few years ago now. Oh, I always start yeah. with a, what's your morning routine? Do you have any kind of routine in your life? Oh right my gosh. I miss the morning routine where I could sleep in past 10 o'clock, eat whatever I want, do no exercise, but no, I have a very um, healthy morning routine. I try and adhere to, I get up, I try and do 20 minutes of cardiovascular exercise get the heart pumping um and then have cacao which is fabulous instead of coffee and then i try and do about 10 minutes of mindfulness with sound i've got the gong out in the living room which is nice um so i've been using that and uh, yeah do the washing up and that's, <laughs> that's the morning routine but it does i do i do feel good for the exercise i think that's that's important i know everyone's busy nowadays and it's hard to find the time but it does make a difference oh and the cold showers as well that's always fun get the shower on cold at the end for a few minutes as well if I can manage it and do you manage to do this every day no I wish I did (laughs) I try and do it five days a week um but at least three what's the biggest part of that routine for you what do you feel has the biggest impact on your day I think um, it's, you know, each different element of it can have can have a different impact. So it depends what what sort of day I have. I guess if I'm going to be sitting around all day, then the exercise is is really important. If I'm going to be um, sort of going through challenging conversations in the day, then maybe the mindfulness is more important. Um, And if I want to check my heart oxidization levels then the cacao is probably important but (laughs) (laughs) I think it depends yeah all right we're going to talk about your first priority which you said to me is learning yeah nice yeah that's a good priority I forgot that I put that down but (laughs) happy I did (laughs) You filled this out quite a while ago because we had to cancel. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. I was quite sick last time. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, learning, I think the mindset of learning is is just as important as the learning itself. Just having that having that openness so that you're ready to sort of receive new information and change these neural networks, not to sort of have that mindset of I have the answer. It's a good it's a good good frame to be in so yeah learning is is never ending there's always more to learn and new information it can be a bit overwhelming especially when it comes to the wellness kind of scene and there's lots of information coming up and having to fact check it and 
go through the research so it can be a little bit intense sometimes when you get in but I, I really love that feeling of doing the work and, and learning and being up to date on research and, and knowledge and yeah it can be really informative of how you how you act or react to things and I've uh, I've gone back to college recently to learn osteopathy which uh, which has really got me in that learning mindset having to memorize all the muscles and bones in the body and learn a lot about physiology uh, anatomy and biology it's been it's been awesome yeah definitely great great feeling to have to have learning happening every day it's really cool do you feel like that's always been the case for you that you've always been um, enthusiastic about learning yeah i think it's it's really a beautiful thing for one's brain to keep learning a lot of the studies suggest that it's really beneficial for mental health to have a certain amount of learning of new information regularly um i definitely got to points in in my life and career when i was focused on music where i i don't think i was spending as much time or prioritizing learning as much um because it's more of a subjective art. I mean, you can play and practice, but I think as as you progress in any field, um, there's potentially less to learn as you learn more of it. Um, obviously, there are differences between between which field you're working in and how much learning there is. But I, yeah, I think I'm I'm at a point in my life where I'm definitely spending a lot more time and prioritizing learning a lot more than than I previously have, and I, I feel feel good for it to be honest. Tell us something you've learned recently that we'll like. Um, a good way to activate and stretch the vagus nerve is to pull your ears upwards and outwards. And if you do that for about 90 seconds, yeah, it can help activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which uh, people like talking about in wellness at the moment. So it's uh it's important to remember though that your sympathetic and parasympathetic systems it's dual innovation so i hear sometimes this narrative that oh you need to just turn on your parasympathetic and turn off your sympathetic turn off that fight and flight whereas really it's a balance you're you're, you're never going to have one sort of on and the other off a lot of your organs have dual innovation. So both of the systems are activating them or inhibiting them depending. And I think it's uh, that's what I've been learning recently is understanding how you can influence the parasympathetic system. To... So the parasympathetic is the, the rest system, essentially. Rest and digest. Might rest, not... digest, reproduce, right? Yeah. That's, the, that's the parasympathetic. It's when and your body's system. in a state of calm. Yeah, it's more associated with with calm, with lower heart rate, lower blood pressure, lower levels of cortisol, and then obviously sympathetic is fight and flight. So that's arousal, fear, stress, and both of these systems innovate our organs. So they both have systems of control via the nerves and the longest nerve of the parasympathetic system is the vagus nerve and that travels down past the eyes so that's why some of the exercises are based around the ears and the eyes 
um, and it travels down and it innovates organs. I think all the way down to the um, just before the colon, so the intestines uh, for the digest part. And so there's a lot of talk in the wellness industry about how to help activate those uh, those nervous systems and how to uh, little stretches and techniques you can do to do that. But yeah, I've been learning about this notion of dual innovation. So it's both, but it's both sympathetic and parasympathetic at any given time, because I think it's important in wellness to be accurate. And sometimes people talk about sort of turning one off or on, and that's not quite the case. You just want to influence the one that you want to utilize. So if you're at work and you're falling asleep, then yeah, you want to probably activate the sympathetic nervous system more so you can bring up your levels of arousal and stress and not fall asleep at your desk. But then conversely, once you get home, you might want to practice some exercises to influence the parasympathetic so you can de-stress from work, let your body go more into that relaxation, digest your lunch and have a good sleep. Because if you have your sympathetic in control or more active than your parasympathetic, then yeah, that's, I think, some of the problems that people suffer from where they have challenge sort of turning off or sleeping well or issues with bowels, IBS type symptoms. Those can be in relation to having a sympathetic system, which is overstimulated. So we need to pull our ears up and out although we always talk about deep belly breathing and meditation and yoga yeah, all we really exactly. need to do is pull our ears up and out for 90 seconds and we're fine <laughs> yeah exactly you can save yourself hours of painful yoga and yeah just just pull your ears a bit it's always more simple than we think it is sometimes it can be yeah erin how did you get into this stuff i guess everyone's into it nowadays right living in london living in a stressful environment where the universe and the world is at at the moment where culture's at i think it's uh i think it's part of part of culture that's emerging and you know we're defining ourselves not just by the the work that we do um and how we how we operate there's there's this emerging consciousness about you know, presence, wellness, naturopathy. I think um, for me, suffering trauma in my early 20s put me on a path to having to deal with some of the symptoms of that trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, elements of that, and how that can affect the body. Um, so it was a personal journey myself to wellness um but i think it's relevant for everyone more and more i have been delving into i guess this kind of stuff i don't know what what do you what do you call it wellness or new age practice i don't think it's new age old age practice oh that's it that's that that's the the new old age exactly yeah getting older and having to having to understand how to stay healthy really it's relevant for everyone and in in the kind of stress culture city life i think it's it's more and more a topic of conversation 
Having experienced as you did this trauma in your early 20s, what would be your advice for someone who had experienced something traumatic, was experiencing PTSD? Where oh my would gosh, you... I think it's 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 an interesting question, isn't it? Because everyone's experience is different. And mm. I think more and more everyone, as, as, as they get into the old age, experiences some trauma in in one way or another the more experience you have the more likely some of it is to be traumatic i mean mine was quite unexpected and quite intense at quite a young age so that was that was challenging but as i've as i've grown with that and i was you know in our group of friends i was probably one of the it was different at that point to have gone through such challenges but as i've as i've got older i've watched people go through their own challenges of losing parents and partners and friends and yeah i think it happens happens to sort of everyone the longer the longer you last Absolutely. and so that's that's probably a good thing to to know i guess is that you're not alone in in experiencing trauma and that you can recover from it it takes time um, it can affect you in in ways for the rest of your life, but you can come up with a good toolkit to manage those effects. And not all of those effects have to be negative. Um, some of them can be positive. So, as a question of how how what would I say to someone who's experienced trauma? I would say welcome to the trauma club. There's a lot of people in it and <laughs> you know there's a lot of there's there's a lot of stories out there and I think it's um it's good that people are sharing it more. I watched the the James James Arthur documentary on on the BBC where he talks about his challenges with mental health and, and challenges he'd experienced growing up and I just think it's so powerful when anybody shares shares their story um it's always powerful to hear it and it it feels like there's hope when you hear that yeah absolutely the more we live the more we experience <laughs> and as you say part of living is you know traumas and complications and i remember someone once said to me that if you like weren't finding life hard some of the time then you weren't paying attention mm yeah i think i did a good job of not paying attention for a while fun times <laughs> me too for sure <laughs> joys of youth but that's important as well right to have those times when you're not necessarily i don't know making yourself deal with everything yeah all of the experiences are valuable it's uh it's just how and when you experience them and you know the support you have to deal with them and your ability to to accept the experience that you're going through really i always ask people about whether their priorities have ever shifted in an instant and um i guess for you with what happened i don't know for you was it in a way i don't i don't know if it was i think i think you can sort of forget forget who you are when you go through trauma a bit because the trauma overtakes that so 
I don't, in a way, it maybe even stopped me from changing for a bit because I was just holding on to who I was at that moment. Um, I guess when I had my first son, that was probably an, an instant when, when my life really, when my priorities really changed because I moved my sort of primary care and focus outside of myself and into someone else. So if there was any sort of instant when things really changed, I guess, I guess it would be having children. Mm -hmm. That brings us pretty well onto your next priority, which was family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's good times, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing to spend time with, with your family and, if you're in a position where you can you can do that then you're a lucky you're a lucky person so it's it's a real priority for me to try and enjoy that time and spend time with with my family and make time for them and remember that the busy work i've got going on can wait and i can put my phone down and i can enjoy enjoy that time quality time <laughs> but no it it really is i think it's a great it's a great um it's a great space and and family doesn't doesn't always have to mean you know your own children you know or your biological family it, it can mean the family that you identify with right so that might be your pets or your friends or the trees in your garden i think spending spending time with with what you identify as family away from tasks i think is a is a is a priority i would say yeah expand that a little bit away from tasks what do you mean by that well as someone who's always been sort of work minded and wanted to create there can be an overarching mindset of what are you doing have you done that? Can you do this? And a sort of critical path analysis is always running in my mind of what do I have to do? Do I have anything to mix or finish? Do I have deadlines? Do I have to check how many unread emails I have? Is there some badmin that I haven't done or letters I haven't? So all those tasks to do with life, the universe, everything, goals, whatever it is, just being able to pause that and, you know, be in the present with with one's designated family yeah i think um that's the goal doesn't always happen but mm. yeah it's a nice goal to have mm. <laughs> but another one of your priority is letting go hey if you're enjoying the themes in this podcast and want to delve a bit deeper into prioritizing your own life come on over to my Substack prioritize this where I release weekly essays, voice memos and coaching questions on priorities, habits, values and generally the stuff that makes for a better life. Search prioritize this on the Substack website or app. Yeah gosh that's a big one isn't it? I mean mm. how how are you at letting go? Better than I used to be. I wrote about this in the newsletter quite recently I think mm. maybe last month. Um yeah, I mean, it's a process, right? Some things I find much easier to let go. Sometimes you find you've let something go and then you realize like a year later that you haven't. Um, so life can be a bit sneaky like that. Your mind can be a little bit sneaky like that. Spirals of time, yeah. You re-experience things yeah. sometimes quite a while afterwards with the same 
intensity sometimes mm. I think for the most part I I focus I try to focus generally on like what's serving me mentally physically emotionally as well as like when I say me I also mean the people around me that I love mm. um so what what sort of coming in and out of that space and what doesn't serve me and those are the things I try to let go but don't always succeed at all yeah it's an interesting topic letting go because there is some relevance to holding on our sort of parts of our mind do want to remember situations that were challenging or traumatic or there was risk so that we can be aware in the future to avoid those situations and so there is some programming in the neural networks that especially with trauma or yeah or or, or challenges it, it can be really hard to to let things go because your your brain literally wires itself to uh to notice threats i think it's i don't want to i mean I, I need to get up PubMed and the scientific journals, but I think the wiring is is something like twenty to one. So you're twenty times more likely to build neural networks around challenging events than you are around positive events because there's a prioritization for you to understand how to recognize if there may be a threat in nature, say a lion at the watering hole. People love to use lions mm -hmm. as food, don't they? <laughs> They're talking about threats, but yeah so so the programming the programming in the mind is built like that and that that makes it tougher to let go of things that you you feel are a threat but i think the key is around how one deals with those thoughts or those networks that come up and say hey this is a threat don't forget this, how you ruminate on it. Rumination is the next stage, you know, you can let go of something and it comes back into mind. And if you've let go of it, you can let go of it again, you know, but if you haven't let go or there are edges to it, you can start to ruminate. Oh, that lion, did it really want to eat me? Was it there just because <laughs> it was the morning? Was it really a lion? Could it have been a cheetah? You know, and you can go through all these different unproven theories to try and protect yourself and you know minimize your your pain and suffering right um and so i think yeah getting that toolkit on the go so you're able to continually let go it's not just one letting go mm. it's uh, a never-ending letting go of certain certain experiences or thoughts or or mindsets and uh and i think that's good to know because i think people get disheartened if they kind of have thoughts come back once they thought they let it go and i think that's that's just really normal and just feel free to let it go again mm. so yeah that's why it's a priority because just keep keep letting go yeah. yeah it's a process yeah and it's it's really nice to to nurse your own victimhood and you know <laughs> oh this was so challenging and it shouldn't have been me and that can be true as well but like you were saying how what serves you i think that's that's a good good language to use because there may, there, there may be truth in, in the risk and, and the not letting go, but is, is that really going to serve you? And then that's where resilience as well can come in where you say, 
I can deal with that. I can deal with that lion. If it pops up again, I'll, I'll be able to, to escape it or fight it. I, I believe that. And so I don't have to worry about it. That's another aspect. I think that's, that's important to letting go. Mm. You actually said to me in advance that, um, that an area that wasn't a priority to you is this idea of rumination and self-auditing. So I'd love you to talk a little bit more on it because I'm sure that that's a big um, topic for so many people listening to this. Yeah, rumination, unproven theories, self-auditing. I think... people's people's minds are active and like we said with with the networks that build up in our brain we can get into these cycles of of analysis and they can be never-ending especially if you have an active imagination you can just keep reimagining situations you've been through or you, or you might be going through or you are going through and can imagine all these different outcomes and then oh why would that outcome happen? Maybe this person, you can go so deep into all these different variables. And hey, that's great if that's what you want to do. But I feel that it's a little bit like something you can fall into. And it's important to accept that, you know, some some rumination, some self-auditing is is good. But as a habit, it's not a priority. I think letting go, being in the present, having having resilience is more is more of a priority because from what I believe, the world is, is quite chaotic. And there are patterns that you can analyze and benefit from that analyzation and prediction. But in reality, it's there's a lot of chaos going on and on any given day, you're going to have to navigate that, whether it's people driving into your car or um, calling you up about unpaid debts, whatever the strange sort of fabulous challenge you have come up in any given day. So a lot of it's quite chaotic, I think. And ruminating, self-auditing, I don't always think helps you actually deal with the problem. It's, it can be maybe a form of avoidance sometimes when you go in really deep and you're just trying to find ways to to avoid it, which again, isn't a bad thing if you're self-auditing and saying, hey, I shouldn't have shouted swear words at that person. Like, hey, yeah, great. Maybe there is another option, but who knows? Maybe that was one of the best outcomes at that time. But I think I'm taking it lightly with that example. I think rumination is is when you get very, very deep into into an event or an experience or a relationship and you really you really ruminate on it stirring that pot late at night first thing when you get up oh yeah not a priority <laughs> sort of what comes back to what you were talking about earlier as well with the nervous system because the brain can't tell the difference between an actual event that's happened and some hypothetical worries rumination that we're creating in our brain it, it treats it all the same, right? And we have a similar reaction either way. Yeah, exactly. You will be priming your nervous mm. system. When when you ruminate on a potential threat, like 
is the lion going to be at the watering hole? That primes your sympathetic nervous system. So while you're just thinking thinking about it, like you said, your sympathetic nervous system is going to be taking action and potentially dilating your pupils more so you're ready to see the lion, speeding up your heart so you're ready to run from it, changing your breathing so there's more oxygen, removing that oxygen from your internal organs, so reducing your digestion, priming you to deal with what you're ruminating about. So if you ruminate about being one with the universe and yourself, then that might be a more positive type of rumination where you're more relaxed. But ruminating on threats or challenges, like never say never. I think there isn't, you know, that it's not black and white. There, there's, there's, there's a, there is some relevance to having some rumination, but habitually, I do think that it it doesn't lead into healthy physiology or, or you know, a good a good place really. Mm. Or for me, who knows? Some people may love it, and that's that's their jam and respect. <laughs> I want to know more about yeah. about that, but. Yeah, the nervous system will will get ready for the threat, even if you're just imagining it, like you said. Mm-hmm. And if it's, you know, the lion at the watering hole, the sort of modern day equivalent would be, you know, my boss and what they're thinking and what I've decided they're going to say to me later that day, even though I have, you know, no basis for it. Mm. Yeah. Let's come on to another priority of yours, your final priority, which is music. which has never not been a part of your life. <laughs> hey, who doesn't love music? Come on. <laughs> I think everyone loves music. I think you love music a little bit more. <laughs> wow. But you you know That's you're kind. you're in the music life a little bit more. I think everyone's everyone's in it. Music is is the is the sort of food of the soul. It's the spark. It's it's such a such a beautiful transient experience to listen to music it really is quite magical and and we don't i don't always listen to it enough you know some days i'll be busy and running around and i won't take the time to just put on some music and it can really help even if you're busy and you're not thinking put some music on it will help get you in a flow state it will help you enjoy that stress it will give you a rhythm and give you something and i've definitely had times when i've i've forgotten that you know and it's such a massive part of my life i um i think it's good advice to prioritize it and and get it on and that's one of the great things about these phones we have with us all the time is that we can at at the flick of a the flick of an eye and a switch and a hand you can have any music that you can imagine and that's amazing to just be able to play it it used to be a bit more complex right you used to have to have the cd or the vinyl or catch the right time on radio but now with the phone you can dial up anything and that's really great and it moves around with you and so i i need to remember that sometimes that i can i can get it on especially when i'm busy and and it helps it's a priority and it's it's been yeah it's been a big big part of my life but i think it's quite a big part of everyone's life i'm sure you remember in your formative years music being super important right mm. yeah absolutely 
Um, but I also grew up with a father who was a music journalist. So it was, you know, it was. So really it had to be the right part. music. You weren't it had to be the right music. To... No, it was all music. Yeah, <laughs> you could come back listening to E17. He was cool with that, right? <laughs> he was all right. He tolerated it. Like, <laughs> why is this not the Sex Pistols? But he tolerated it. Um, no, he's, he had. He has very open tastes in music. Do you ever, so both your parents were in music. Yeah. Um, what's your earliest memory? You know, I think I had like a a few cassettes that had kids songs on them. And I had a little Fisher Price cassette player and I just used to, used to listen to them on repeat. And I used to also have like a little Fisher Price vinyl player that had nursery rhymes and used to be able to sort of pull and push the record, the little plastic discs. Um, I we've got that. that. We've got that for my kids. You've got that, yeah? yeah Amazing. Okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Come on. Those are great because they're so tactile. You get to touch the music yeah. as well. And I think, yeah, those, those, um, those times were great when you have your own little music system and yeah i love sharing music and sound with my son he he loves it it's so activating for for babies and infants it activates the mind so much and it's really engaging um but i think sometimes when i perform for my son i have these visions of, of grandeur and i think oh this is this is such a great performance and really my son's <laughs> just sort of watching me like a dying cat wailing <laughs> just sort of amazed by this terrible sound and I'm not, not quite sure but music's always a priority and I think um that was one of the things about lockdown and live gigs and live music stopping and and um that kind of grinding to a halt of culture and music culture that I think a lot, a lot of people felt and so it was great when it opened back up to to share music with people again because music's really nice when you make it with people when you play music with people or when you experience it with people um have good memories of playing music to your yoga nidras your guided meditations and even simple things like that i think it's a real priority for me yeah to spend time doing those activities because i just i love it how do you feel when you're creating music? So you've got, I mean, you've created so much music over the years in so many different genres, music, sound, number one hits, immersive gong experiences, all of it. Do you do you see much difference between the different types of sound and music that you work with and create? Yeah, I think there's different functions to it. So you can have sort of euphoric dance music. I make jungle music with Jamie Rodigan under the name Crate Classics. Plug. <laughs> um, so that music's really euphoric. And if you listen to that stuff compared to, say, a gong bath, you might think, oh, it's so different. It sounds really different. And the function is different because for one of them, you probably want to be in a club or doing something active to listen to and and for the other for the gong bass or immersive sound for meditation you probably want to be in a relaxing place breathing deeply but really the heart of of music is vibration and it's all in a way similar it's just the function of it 
and I, I found that when I, when I was younger and just making more euphoric dance music, the longer I did that for, the more I missed the other side and, and began to look for that. And that's sort of what led me into learning gongs and performing sound meditations was that I was looking to balance the musical language I was working with. And also, as I got older, I didn't want to be in a club at 2 a.m. with <laughs> sort of deafening speakers. So I'm up for it sometimes, but the environment of uh, of a yoga studio in the afternoon was a little bit more aligned with my lifestyle. Um, and and just being able to, to do it sustainably as well, I think. But but I think all music, yeah, shares shares the same the same DNA and um yeah, I feel just really lucky to be able to to share it with people and I'm always grateful for anyone who experiences it or who who listens to it. But yeah. I think How do you um, feel when you're creating when you're making a piece of music? Creation's an interesting word, isn't it? Because sometimes people can attribute themselves as an individual to that act i created this i feel slightly differently you know that i maybe help facilitate it that it's already there you hear people make very similar forms of music you know that songs from very different continents and cultures can can be very similar so my view is that you know there's a sort of it's like maths. There's only so many equations and formulas, although it is infinite. But there are these archetypes that show up. So yeah, as an individual, you can kind of put a bit of your stamp on that. But I, I, I don't always agree with that kind of individual creation. I made it. It's mine. It's, uh, it's something I was lucky enough to sort of unearth or dig up or find. So yeah, I, I find when I'm when I'm creating when I'm when I'm trying to write music I I get into a state where I'm not really in myself and that's maybe what I like about it I get into a bit of a flow flow state you could call it and I I find myself coming back sometimes when I'm making music and I'm like oh where am I what room where am I which music is this I'll sort of reconnect because I'll have drifted so far into whatever it is the, the beauty of sound the beauty of music that I've forgotten everything which is great who doesn't want to forget being alive <laughs> and all the challenges that come with it but no i think it's uh it's it's a good it's a good state to be in what would you say to someone who wants to prioritize music a bit more or feels they're not very musical yeah that's a great myth isn't it of our mm. time especially in england people will say oh i don't sing i can't play an instrument Oh, well, you're breathing pretty well, aren't you? And your your heart seems to be beating in time for your entire life. So that is something musical just about the body working. And I think we all have the ability to to sing. Some more notes than others. But I take some vulnerability to find it. And I would say go for it. I'd say don't have don't believe those limiting beliefs too much. Maybe if you're thinking about singing very loudly to a group of people on the train or bus randomly you might want to then you know you might want to perfect it a bit on your own and, and sort of find your voice um 
in an appropriate space. But I, I think that I've, I've definitely been with people at times when they've they've wanted to explore their voice uh, and what it's capable of. And that's, uh, yeah, people can make fabulous sounds and also quite terrible sounds. And sometimes to find out where your voice is and where the strength of your palate is and how to control your soft palate, it's uh, you need to make some wild sounds and sort of release a little bit. So I would say go for it to anyone who's interested in prioritizing it more. You often hear that story when I talk about being involved in music. People will often say, oh, I've always wanted to learn piano. I say, do it. I'm still learning. I, I'm I'm not proficient really on anything. I'm mainly self-taught and I've just put in the time and, and, and enjoyed it and, and had that belief that I, that I could do it. And that's that's it really just just go for it let loose but not on the number 13 at 7 30 <laughs> on the way to work <laughs> oh definitely then <laughs> yeah exactly that's that's exactly the time when it's needed isn't it it's quite it's quite quiet and boring on that bus i think at that time so more singing what's something finally aaron that you would like to prioritize more I think uh, it's a bit of a boring one, but I need to drink more water. It's just, <laughs> it's so boring <laughs> and it's such a cliche, but because mm. I drink some now, <clears throat> I must keep prioritizing my hydration um, and trying to eat healthily. Yeah. Everyone, everyone sneaks a lot of salt into their takeaway food and yeah. I think um, I'm I'm a little bit chronically dehydrated, so I'm trying to prioritize hydration. How do not you prioritize it? What do you not do? very exciting. Well, you, you know, yeah, reducing processed foods and you know, beautiful things like salt and vinegar crisps, <laughs> however marvelous they are, <laughs> it's kind of counter counter hydration. So yeah, trying to limit processed food trying to drink more water and more hydrating drinks because it can be helpful to have some potassium with the water to help absorb it. So having like a bite of fruit, a little bit of banana or something. Um, yeah, it's not that exciting. It's just regularly drinking water, really. Yeah. It's amazing how easy it is to forget something as simple as that. Yeah, and important. Mm. I... I'm sort of amazed by my own foolishness of not drinking regularly, but I'm pushing. I've got like a habit tracker in my journal that I write for myself that says drink water every mm. day. Yes. And I try to like, so when I get, when I sit down, drop the kids off at school, like drink a glass as soon as I wake up drop the kids at school and then as soon as I sit down at my desk drink a whole another glass of water and before mm. I do something try and remember to drink a glass mm. and I don't always succeed but I find that that's helpful mm. I got myself a nice um drinking cup scenario one of the portable ones and I just try and fill that up all the time and then that helps me drink it because it's just around with me full and I it's like a, a a good task to get into I'm like I've got to finish it mm. so so that's one of the ways like that little yeah. win that you get when you drink it like yeah it set up a little bit. a little dopamine hit yeah, finish exactly. your flask like yeah I finished it 
yes go put it in your journal as well (laughs) set it up for a win yeah exactly oh small things important small things exactly Aaron, thank you so much anything you want to say before we finish anything you want to share oh no thank you thanks for your time it's great it's great to chat and thanks for giving me the time to uh remind myself to drink water and and of my priorities i appreciate it thank you it's been really really interesting chatting to you thanks lily all right take care you too if you enjoyed this episode of priorities i'd really appreciate it if you could make it your priority today to hit subscribe and also rate and review as this helps other people find it thank you so much for listening take care